Coming up on today's episode, we look at Elliot Friedman's latest comments on the Jets' offseason trade rumors, plus a peek at the Vegas Florida Cup final. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, hope you guys had a great weekend and hopefully the month of June is off to a great start for everybody as well. Very close to fun season getting underway. At least for 30 teams, fun season's about to get underway. Uh, We'll see how long that's going to take. As we sit right now, Vegas has a comfortable lead in the third period. I, I imagine they're going to cruise to a 2 nothing Stanley Cup Final Series lead. Uh, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki with us once again. I assume so. I don't, I don't want to you know be the jinx and ruin anything here, Tyson. But I assume Vegas is going to take care of business. And I assume that you're doing pretty good after a solid weekend. Is that correct? You would be correct on both those fronts. Had a quick cook stop at Beer Fest this this past weekend. If and oh, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, if you, can, you... If, oh sorry, you go. I'll just say you sur- apparently you survived. Yeah, I mean you got to be careful. Like you got to be careful here because like, it's tricky, <laughs> and, and it's it's crazy how free flowing it is. Like I didn't wait once. Like it's just yeah. constant. Like it's literally just constant pouring. Yeah, they like there needs to be studies done on how, like the I guess flowing, like you said there, but like how traffic gets moved at all times. Like you're never waiting anywhere, but you can stop at a at a place and talk there if you want to. Like it, it's it's a different planet. It's a different universe. Ha- but have you ever seen like Have you ever seen like those European intersections? Where it's like it's just everyone just goes and like, like a roundabout out. sort of deal, right? It's it's kind of like a roundabout, but it's just a big circle and everyone just goes. Oh just yeah, go, yeah, yeah. You just go when you want, and somehow it's less accidents than a normal intersection with lights. Yeah, so I don't know if I believe that, but I, I I get what you're saying there, and yeah, there's there's something to be said about shot glasses of beer slowly taking its toll on. I mean, I've I've seen. I've seen strong men <laughs> go down, go down for the count very quickly at beer fest. It's no joke, but oh, good to see you made it out alive. There's a lot of pickling going on there, and not of the well, food variety. That's a <laughs> it's it's a people pickle there. <laughs> That's a great word. All right, well let's move on here and uh, get into the hockey talk quickly here. Decent amount to get into actually, and you know. Surprisingly, once again, the Winnipeg Jets are kind of the the crown jewel of the offseason talk so far. So we'll get to some of the big comments made Saturday night by Elliot Friedman during Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final involving the Winnipeg Jets, obviously involving the big names for the club that are you know in the rumor mill, potentially on the way out. So we'll get to that and then take a look at the Cup Final as well in the latter part of the episode. But quickly, Tice, trivia time. I don't forget, you do, but that's okay, because I got us ready to go here. Um, And and so, to kind of stick with the Stanley Cup theme, not that I'm making a prediction on what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup final, 
But I thought I, I, I got the Con Smythe fever. So why don't we do a little Con Smythe trivia here? How does that sound? I love it. I'm, I, 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 I almost guarantee I get it right. Oh, no, no, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. What is it? Let's like the see. 1940s Maple Leaf? Like, is that like one of those cons? I got to pick like Toe Blake or someone? Well, you're already off to a horrible start, Tyson, because my first question about the Consmite trophy was actually going to be who was the first winner of the Consmite in oh 1965? In 1965. Okay. So you are way off in terms of when it was first handed out, but it was 1965. Can you give me a name as to who won the first consmite? Uh, that's got to so that's Montreal, correct? That's probably a good guess on your part. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with 1965. I, I like I feel like Richard's too easy, too late. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say don't overthink this one. Be- John Beliveau? There you go. It's John Beliveau. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, yeah. That, that, that just seems right that Beliveau wins the first con smite. So that's a decent start there. That was a bit of a bit of a gimme, especially with my hint. Get a little bit trickier here. I'll, I'll save, I'll save the one. It's doable, but I'll be surprised if you get it for, for last. Um, but let's. Switch over now that we've gone to the first Consmite Trophy winner. There have been, Tyson, five instances where a player won the Consmite while they were not on the Stanley Cup winning team. Can you name the only skater to achieve that honor? Well, Reggie Leach. Yeah. Okay. And, good, and, job. good job. And Ron Hextall in 87, J.S. Jaguar. In 03. Um, no, did you buy off more than you can chew? <laughs> there's two more? <laughs> there's two more, yeah. Oh, man. That's, yeah, no, I can't think of the other two. Uh, pretty early on, actually. Um, Roger Crozier, of course, in 67 with the Red Wings. Of course. And then uh, Glenn Hall with the St. Okay. Louis Blues in 68. The Blues losing the first three Stanley Cup finals that they went to, and Glenn Hall basically carried an expansion team to the Cup final in each of those years. But good job. Yep, the Riverton Rifle. This is back-to-back weeks. Reggie Leach makes an appearance on the trivia section here, so good job there. Good pull. Um, we'll go with one more here to cap it off, Tice. And I'm intrigued to see if you pull this one off because there have been a handful of players that have won the Con Smythe two times. Who's the only player that's won it three times? Ooh. It's simple, but it's... Because that, like, that's, that's where you try and, like, tricks... Because Gretzky... I, I think only Gretzky it's only not, had one. It's not Gretzky. Yeah, yeah it's not Gretzky. I'll, one or two. I'll, I'll check that as you think it through here. Um, so Gretzky had two, obviously. Yeah, not three, but two. I'm thinking of a couple guys with two, for sure. But I know that they don't have three. Once I tell you the name, you'll be like, I should have guessed it, but maybe I'm trying, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going through all the cup winners in my head, and it wouldn't. If I get the team name right, will you, will you be like, Yeah, well, here, I'll, I'll give you another hint. He was the only person as well to do it in three different decades and with two different teams. Oh boy, three different decades, man. 
Only player to do with two different teams as well, by the way. You stumped me. I like. I'm not. I because I, I could just think for. But yeah, I, no, we don't want dead air. I, I, it'll take me too long. I don't know. It's perfect timing because he just sat behind the bench for the Memorial Cup winning Quebec oh, Rampart. Yeah, Saint Patrick. Oh, that's too. Ah, oh, that's bad. Uh, that's it's a tricky, tricky one. Like I think, like yeah, you'd get it after a couple guesses, but yeah, like to, it's not the first thing that would pop to your head. But it is Patrick Wall, eighty six, ninety three with the Habs, and then oh one with the Colorado Avalanche. Who's your favorite obscure Con Smythe winner? Hmm. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't know how obscure Reggie Leach is, but that. That for me always is kind of my favorite. I mean, unfortunately, the Flyers have a pretty solid history of winning the Consmate and not winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Not, yeah, I'm not upset about that at all. Um, do you have one in mind? Bill Ranford. Yeah, Bill Ranford, though, was like sneaky, sneaky good and kind of forgotten with, you know, obviously being a backup and then splitting time with Oilers and Flames and things like that. Uh, maybe I'll go Butch Goring. Oh, Butch. Butch, yeah, maybe Butch. I mean, there's not really that many randos that won it, which is kind of the thing, too. You know what I mean? Like, maybe maybe Justin Williams is, like, the yeah. biggest. But, I mean, you're talking about Mr. Game 7. I, I do like I, – I just like the whole playoff run of, of Tim Thomas, too. Basically, oh, yeah. like, giving up one goal a game the entire playoffs. <laughs> and then – you know, vanishing into the wilderness in Colorado in a mine shaft or wherever he went after he retired. Like that, Tim Thomas's career is just the weirdest goaltending career in the weirdest position of all time. There, um, but not bad. Pretty good taste. I'll, I'll I'll give you your props there. You did you did a pretty solid job. Patrick Wong getting that one would have sent you over the top, but pretty good work on the on the Smythe Trophy there. Cam Ward too winning it is kind of like forgotten now. Um, especially, do you know who started the playoffs for Carolina when Cam Ward won? Was that Artis Urbe? No, a little bit too. He was in 02 when they went to the final. It Martin was Gerber? Martin Gerber. <laughs> oh, Martin Gerber. All time. Yeah. He's he um... a good NHL goalie. Yeah. Like 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 in the in the video games, like there's there's always some some underrated names that you that us have that we've played over the years and that have just stymied you because I beat you time. And time oh, and time and time yeah. again. Yeah, we're not. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna zoom right past that because we don't have time, and people don't want to hear about our PTSD childhood and NHL 17 and 18 and all that. Um, but what's interesting, just mentioning Cam Ward there as we pivot and segue over to some Winnipeg Jets talk. You know, Cam. I mean, Cam Ward was a good goalie, but Cam Ward comes in there, backstops the Hurricanes to the Cup final. Martin Gerber being the goalie there. Some not so household names at the time for sure. And now we have Aiden Hill backstopping the Golden Knights. And now we have Bobrovsky coming out of the woods and, and leading Florida to where they are right now with Alex Lyon pitching in on the way as well. Um, maybe is it the best time for Carter Hellebuck trade value to be jumping through the roof here when you see these other teams, you know, run? You know, I know Bobrovsky's a name goalie, but goalies that nobody really expected to come in and get the job done to get the job done and now have their teams just a couple wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. Not not the best time, perhaps, but we'll see what happens come summertime. And um, 
might be finding out an answer to that, Tyson, sooner than later. And it might be a when as opposed to a if it actually takes place. Because, again, the smoke continues to pile around the Winnipeg Jets and pile around Connor Hellebuck, as well as the other three big names with the club heading into the offseason here. And Elliot Friedman made the big comments over the weekend about the potential future and trajectory of where this franchise could be headed in, I mean, a little over two weeks' time, if that. Might be even less than two weeks' time we get some answers to this. But here's the latest, in case you missed it, from Elliot Friedman Saturday night during Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals with David Amber talking about the Winnipeg Jets. And I'll just read this verbatim. This is from a legal curve. Shout out to the IC guys who put this up on their website. But verbatim from Frege. What I think the Jets have made very clear is this is not going to be a rebuild. They are not tearing it down. They are not starting over. Obviously, futures could be a part of the trade packages if they happen, but they've got a lot of good players on term and they want to support them. So they're looking for players if they make these deals that can help right away, not just futures. Again, this will not be a rebuild. David Amber followed up with, but the core could shake up. Friedman then said the core could definitely shake up. Initial thoughts. What do you make of that, Tice? Well, I just wanted to touch on quickly with what you said just before that, with the value not being there for Connor Hellebuck. I'd actually argue the opposite. I think that his value is going to be, I think, because there's, there's going to be so much. There's, this is going to be a really big goaltending carousel this offseason. There's so many teams in need of goaltenders, so many teams that are, losing either their 1A or 1B or even their starter. And I think that teams like Carolina, LA, Jersey, I think they could see a guy like Connor Hellebuck and they could think, if we can have this one guy who is almost guaranteed to have a solid season and kind of push us forward, a guy that we can really rely on throughout the season, I think that's super attractive to a lot of teams and especially GMs too. Like they, you, you getting one of these, a guy like Connor Hellebuck, just solidifies that position so easily. And then you don't have to think about it, right? Like you don't yeah, have to think I'll, about I'll, it. I'll be honest, Tyson. That was more so just a horrible segue on my part to try to go from <laughs> <laughs> to try to go from Consway trivia to the Jets. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. It was like, yeah, like as, it, soon as, I, as soon as I started, I was like, this is just not gonna go well. I, I am <laughs> I am swimming in the deep end with a 20-pound anvil tied to my feet. <laughs> Uh, but, but aside from that, but um, I think the, you are right with goaltenders like Carter Hart, like a guy like that, where a team could be like, he's good, but is he going to be consistent throughout the whole season? Right. Like the, I think that's where teams might get, get a little gun shy on guys or even John Gibson with his injury concerns. But yeah, like I, I, I'm never a big fan of kind of pigeonholing yourself into a certain trade package. You know what I mean? Like I, if you're selling, like we're only like, going to accept this, right? Like, if you're going after a guy like Connor Halibut, it's every package has got to be on the table, regardless of what it is, and you've just got to move for the most value. And if you want to, if you want to, uh, like, pivot from that trade, from the Connor Halibut trade, and move those pieces you got for Connor Halibut for additional pieces that can help your team now, I'm I'm okay with that. But you got to get the best trade package possible. You have to extract the most value that you can from a guy who's probably the best player in this 
second reincarnation of the Jets since they'd come back here. You need to get that value back properly. And you can't just say, hey, well, we got a guy who's going to fit into our top four. So we'll add a couple pieces here and there. And we might not get exactly what we wanted. But like, no, this is Connor freaking Hellebuck. You have to get the most value possible for this guy. No questions asked. And when it comes to Shifley and Dubois, there's other factors in there that kind of take away from a little bit of value from those guys. Connor Hellebuck has none of that. He is just an all-world goaltender. And if he doesn't want to be here, you cannot just go in and say, we're only taking this sort of package. I think that's ridiculous. And I think that's... Obviously, who knows who's leaking what at this point in the season? Who really knows what's going on? But if that's true, I'm... I I'm furious. I mean, look, I, I with your re, I I totally agree with your reasoning there that you should never kind of put the cards on the table that we're only going to accept this kind of a package because if a team offers three first round picks, uh, that's there's a lot of value to be had in that in terms of even if you wanted to you know contend this upcoming season to flip two of those, you know what I mean? That's kind of an extreme example, but I I, I get what you're saying there. I what I do not get is your curiosity and other anguish from Jets fans after hearing these comments because I I don't think anything really changes. I don't I don't think there's in all reality a whole ton of news to come out of what what Friedman said there. I mean, I mean there shouldn't be anything surprising. This management group, ownership group, everybody will, you know, with the team has made it very clear that they're not going to be rebuilding this upcoming year so if you had that as a pipe dream you could pretty much kiss that one goodbye i'm glad we did the uh the what if rebuild one tyson because it would have been absolutely pointless to do that after hearing the comments from friedman on saturday night there but i i really don't think again it, it doesn't really change a whole lot to me and I, I think where there's a lot of misplaced anger right now is for whatever reason fans are thinking oh great this means it's hellebuck for a 30 year old centerman and then we're going to trade Shifley for a 29-year-old defenseman. That That's not what's being said at all. There, there was no mention of veteran players need to come in, you know, guys that have been there, done that, one before coming in here. It was just strictly, we're not doing a only futures-based package. That's it. It doesn't mean that Mark Shifley's not traded for a 21-year-old centerman that could help the team this upcoming season. Like, if anything, that's the best case scenario is getting, you know, a younger version of the player that you're trading away. So, I don't know, people, I think people get up in arms anytime, you know, the the trade rumors are mentioned and, you know, a rebuild is just completely pushed out the door because a lot of people think this is the perfect opportunity for the team to do that. I think there's, I think there's a case to be made for it, but I've mentioned a number of different times that, you know what, I think that they can retool on the fly here. And I think they can still do that and get younger at the same time. I don't think there's a lot of reason for angst from the report by Friedman on Saturday. Yeah, and and I, I agree with that. I think part of the the anger and where being furious comes into play is the fact that it's so it seems like there's this team is very narrow minded at the moment. And just hearing that sort of thing continues on the same sort of path where you look at other teams and they're when you get into this sort of position, you kind of have to be open to all avenues. And I just, and I get that 
getting a guy who's a 24 year old will help the team this year and in the future. But when you hear that, we're looking for guys like I, I, I just don't like this sort of half one foot in one foot out sort of thing that we've seen the past couple of years. And I just feel like this might be sort of more of that where you get a decent player and a decent prospect and a pick. And then it's just you, you're like you're too, much, drafting... too much focus on the present is, is what you're worried about. I right. Guess. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, well, we are drafting and developing still, but we are still competing. And you're kind of just always in this this mid state. And that, that's sort of where my anger comes. And I because I I just want I just want honesty from from this team. I want to I want a clear and concise plan. And we haven't had a clear and concise plan for a long time. And that it's I, I don't know what the plan is going into this offseason still. Oh, no that's, one does. Yeah, right. no, no one. No one does. I mean, who said the, the Jets don't even know what the Jets are doing? Was that, that I, Jeff Merrick said something? I, I think it, I think it was him. Chris Johnston. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It was Chris Johnston that said. The Jets don't know what the Jets are necessary, which is please don't say stuff like that. Like we don't we don't need that kind of uncertainty at <laughs> less than two weeks before the offseason starts. But I, I will say, like in, in terms of and I agree, like let's find out what the what the plan is. I mean, the fact that the Jets are even willing to listen to offers on all four of these guys at this point, I think signifies a bit of a plan here is in that there is going to be a major shake up finally i mean last year we we heard stuff about shifley but it, I, I don't think it was to this degree it was almost more so i think you know to a degree media driven because of shifley's post-year presser comments that you know there's got to be a move made after what he said you know what i mean whereas this is more along the lines of no we're we're pretty cognizant of the situation that we're in which is i think something new that we haven't heard from this team regarding this group of players just yet. So there is, there is a level of intrigue around that. But again, the, I think the main debate points here are going to be, no, there needs to be a little bit more geared towards the future, as opposed to, can you find a way to thread the needle between those two things? We'll see. We'll see what the offers are. And we'll see what the market is, you know, because again, there, there could be a, Limited market for Mark Shifley, for example, and all of a sudden a trade becomes very difficult to pull off. But then all of a sudden, maybe a trade for Hellebuck becomes much more than any of us could have imagined because the market goes completely off the wall because you have a four or five team bidding war, right? Like there, there's just so many unknowns right now. And maybe that's what they mean why the Jets don't know what the Jets are doing just yet because, you know what, there's, there's a lot of balls up in the air. They're not sure what every single team in the league wants to do in terms of how they attack the offseason just yet i would say this is at the very least actually a step in the right direction a little bit of positivity around the organization for once because they finally seemingly publicly admitted for the first time that yeah yeah this isn't working and there's going to be changes and i imagine i mean out of the four tyson at this point i think i think it would be foolish to expect only two of these guys in terms of Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois, only two of these guys to be gone next season. Like it does feel like if, if, if it's two and a half right now, it feels like the over is minus 110. Maybe maybe I'm reading that one incorrectly, but it does feel like at the very least we might see three of these guys moved in some capacity if the Jets are kind of through Elliot Friedman willing to publicly announce that they're listening in on trade offers for these guys. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of where we're at right now with this 
with the Stanley Cup Finals wrapping up too is just it's kind of a wait and see. Oh, like, so close! So, it's yeah, I know. I can't wait for all, and especially you just know the rumors are going to start flying as soon as and because what, what it's forty eight hours after the Cup Final ends where the buyout window opens up, correct? That sound. I'll, I'll I'll believe you on that. That sounds correct. <laughs> I'm also so, looking up. I want to see the the trade tracker to find out when the first trade last year happened. That's what I want. I want to see like what what are we officially getting into the into the beauty stuff here? But yeah, I mean the bio the bio window is going to be potentially the first big. If I mean if you're along my lines of thinking, I don't know where where you're at just now, Tice. But I mean if Wheeler's step one, step two and three might not be too far behind that. Yeah, and and you're opening up that cap space too, and. and it, I, I don't like the people who kind of, you know, want Blake Wheeler traded. You know what I mean? Like how it's it's doing a disservice to him buying him out and it's wasting everything he's done with the team. Like you're letting him like if you're trading Blake Wheeler, you're probably sending him to a pretty bad team and you're getting a not great contract back. So at this point, buying him out, I think the I think the cap penalty is only going to be just over two two and two million for the next two seasons and that's really nothing especially when you're clearing up that six million right there like i don't i think you 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 buy him out and you let him make the decision where he wants to finish his career off because if anything he deserves that he deserves the right to choose where he finishes it off instead of you know kind of wallowing on a on a middling team or a bad team for the first half of the season and then gets moved at the deadline to to some contender like i'm I'm well in the boat of buying him out, getting that done right away. And to me, that signifies an immediate culture change where the front office kind of can say, we're not messing around anymore. Like this, we're, we're fixing what was wrong in this team and we're doing it right away. Yep. I would agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't see why it's a blight on his legacy or anything like that. I mean, yeah. he's getting paid money. And he's getting the chance to pick and choose where he goes to work, and he could potentially make even more money if, if you know the. I mean, Ryan Suter did just well for himself, signing that four-year deal with Dallas after Minnesota bought him out. A little bit of a, a different situation there, but uh, yeah, to, to me, there's nothing. I don't know. I mean, trading him with half his salary retained or buying his contract out, there's going to be negativity surrounded by either one of those. So why not yeah. give him the option to choose where he goes and signs now? The Avalanche won on June 26th last year. Good God, that is just... Could you imagine waiting until June 26th <laughs> for the Cup? Um, but and then the first trade was June 29th. So three days after... Essentially two days after, right? Like, I mean, two days after the Cup Final comes to an end. That was the Kevin Fiala trade as well, Tyson. So there was some... Yeah, let's go. There could be a juicy one right out of the gate here. Let's get it happen. Let's make it done. Uh, what's also funny, too, is um, before the Cup Final, right before the Cup Final, uh, was when Vegas acquired Shea Weber from Montreal. <laughs> Which is like, what? They actually did that during the playoffs? That's awesome. Um, let's wrap up the episode on that note, Tyson. Vegas, Florida, Stanley Cup Final. And uh, yeah, pretty impressive showing by the Golden Knights. Looks like it's a 6-1 final in Game 2, and Vegas cruises to a two-zip series lead. Any thoughts on the Cup Final, now that we're two games in, wrapped up, heading to Florida? It sounds weird, but I almost wonder if Florida won too fast. 
I almost want I almost wonder if they won their Eastern Conference final too fast and that layoff kind of affected them. Cuz when you're rolling like that and it's just it's just a different groove and and I mean you got to give a ton of credit to Vegas too. I mean the way that they're playing it's I I don't know how many teams in the NHL would be able to beat Vegas at this moment right now. Like they're just rolling on all cylinders. Guys are stepping up like Eichel you can look at Eichel's numbers and not be totally impressed but if you watch the games like it's just the puck's not just not going in for him if he had a little bit of puck luck he would be the oh, runaway be Smythe. he'd be the yeah. runaway con Smythe winner and then with he the way jonathan marshall the, the way that jonathan marshall still stepping up too like he's he's making a late run for the con Smythe now and yeah like it's just that this is a team that's just too deep and they have a bunch of underrated guys who are just do, do their job so well like william carrier Oak Bank's, Oak Bank's own Brett Howden, like these guys are really stepping up. And Florida, like the Florida, just looks discombobulated. They, they look like a lot of the other teams that Vegas has faced so far this postseason, where they just don't really know what to do. And Vegas is just having their way and doing and playing their style of hockey and controlling the pace of play, controlling the physicality. And that's a, one of the other things is that a lot of people thought that Florida was going to come in and maybe just bully their way around and kind of do what they've done the past couple series and. Vegas has said, we'll, we'll go toe-to-toe with you, and we'll give you a little bit of extra compared yeah, to what I, you guys have been doing. I, I, yeah, I, I think to that point, Tyson, Florida needs to worry about playing hockey as opposed to trying to win the battle between the whistles. Yeah. I mean, and I, I thought especially not, – not so much in game one. Game one was pretty close. But in game two, I, I don't know if it was late in the first. It must have been late in the first. But Florida takes – it was. It was after the, the Brandon Montour penalty. So Montour – charges in on on marsha so it just cracks him in the head like it's it's so clearly a penalty right and this comes after lomberg takes a red at marsha so again i mean maybe a bit of a theme here and then paul maurice as we've seen here in winnipeg many many times absolutely loses his mind on the officials there loses his mind and as soon as i saw i was like florida is dunzo for this game i'm not gonna say the series dunzo for game two and, and I've made this point so many times with PLD, but I also don't think it's a coincidence that Maurice coached Dubois and there's some of these issues here. But composure, composure, composure. Florida had zero of it out there in Vegas, and they got to find a way to get it back super quickly. Because guess what? The Golden Knights aren't going to put up with that crap. And it might have worked against Toronto, might have worked against Carolina. It's you're you're hurting yourself big time against against Vegas and right now the Knights power play is actually doing good against one of the worst penalty kills we've seen in a long time in the playoffs with the Florida Panthers Florida's power play can't get it done against an awful Vegas penalty kill right now but when you see when your coach loses his mind like that it, it trickles down to the players and I think that's been a big part in them just not being focused and I we saw that all the time here in Winnipeg and it pissed me off to no end when you're I mean just Watch Bruce Cassidy on the Vegas bench. They take a penalty, just kind of may, maybe a light little shake of his head, but there's nothing said, nothing going on. You just you, you can't do that because your players feed off of that. I think that's played a part in the Panthers unraveling out there in Vegas, especially in game two. But I don't think the series is necessarily over just yet. I mean, if Florida gets game three in, then it's officially game on, and, and things can change at the flip of a hat. And I mean... Looks like Eichel's going to be okay, but like that's an instance where we say, as Flyers fans, we saw Flyers Bruins back in 2010 change pretty quickly. All it could take is one hit, and the series can turn on its head. 
literally. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Florida's, I don't think we've seen the last of Florida just yet. Everybody's going to be all on the Vegas train, I think, but keep an eye out for this series shifting back over there Thursday night. This is where, and you might be right that the rust hurt them in game one. To me, the extra day off actually is going to help them a ton in game three on Thursday, where they can just take a step back, calm down, and then get right back at it for game three. What's a, a must win for the Panthers, obviously. But um, yeah, let's let's try to play hockey, Florida. Like like the the punches after the whistle, all that crap. Like don't even what what just 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 stop it. Like just just focus on trying to slow down. Like you said, Tice, the powerhouse Golden Knights right now, and those four lines they roll out there constantly. It's it's a battle. It is really really tough to slow down. And then on top of that, defensively they are as as proficient as as any club we've seen in quite some time. I think argued by the fact that they've had, what, three, four different goalies right now, and they're just a couple of wins away from the first Stanley Cup they've ever won. So we'll see what happens here, but I don't think it's done just yet. How about you? No, I I don't either. And then I just want to add on, on your point of losing focus, just look at those third and fourth goals that Vegas scored in game two. That's just people are just asleep on the ice. For yeah, they're just running goals. all over the place. Yeah, and I, I I think with the way Bobrovsky's been playing, you can't discount anything with Florida. But I I had this thought, and let's say something. This is just complete fantasy land right now. But let's say Vegas ends up going down, or Vegas takes a three zero series lead, and Florida's like, we got to mix something up here, and they put Alex Alex Lyon in, and the Panthers come back and win the cup. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What like how does that affect the, the Con Smythe voting? Do you like, could we possibly see two goalies on the same team almost steal a Con Smythe? Like would would Alex Lyon winning those four games and playing lights out in those four games be enough to win him a Con Smythe? Oh Tyson, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like what what kind of a question is that? <laughs> I was just I was just wondering like has anything ever happened in NHL history where you had a Cinderella team go on a run they have this Cinderella journeyman goalie who's throughout his career really hasn't been that good lead a team to the playoffs he kind of he didn't he wasn't awful in those games against Boston but he wasn't great either and then Bobrovsky comes in go on, goes on this legendary run and then we see kind of the same thing Bobrovsky He's not a lot of those goals aren't really his fault, but you're still giving up a fair amount of goals. And then we see another guy come in and just go on a historic four game run. I just, just no, we've never seen that. What the hell? Why would you even ask that? (laughs) Of course, we haven't seen that. What else in NHL history? Oh, no, no. (laughs) my god. I mean, I think Matthew Kachuk would win it anyway. I, mean, I would imagine he scores a clutch goal or two along the way. But, oh, I did not think this was the twist we were going to end off with here. <laughs> Just so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> I love living in fantasy land, baby. Yeah. Well, come back to Earth here. We, <laughs> got, a, we got a little more work to do. Um uh, now I'm intrigued. Now I kind of want to see Florida go down 3-0 just to see if Lion gets a start in game four. Maybe, maybe we'll like clip this and look bad. This this either will be like your ultimate seer moment 
or it'll be as bad as you predicting Eli Tolvanen to score 40 goals for the National Predators. <laughs> hey, Seattle looks he's looking good in Seattle. Keep it on. Breakout star next year. That would be funny. Tolvin and Benier, the next big <laughs> duo. Oh, all right, let's end it here. This is getting off the rails. This is just just the the dumbest possible way to end up and any kind of hockey related podcast episode. Um, well, thanks for tuning in, and I appreciate you guys giving us a chance. But this this will be it for skates and plates. There's there will be no more after that. No. Thanks for tuning in once again. We'll get back at it a little bit earlier um, this week. Actually, uh, Tyson's off on a little trip down south. Um, I believe you're leaving later this week, so I'll, we'll we'll record the next episode and have it out. I believe Thursday morning is is that correct, Tyson? Correct. Perfect. So we'll get back at it. A quick one here. Quick turnaround, no rest, no rest for us. We'll get back at it, and we'll deliver something much better than Alex Lyon potentially <laughs> winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in once again to Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. Like I mentioned, a little bit of a change in the schedule, but we'll get back at it to you guys on Thursday morning, closing out the week a little bit early. Until then, though, Have a great next couple of days. Stay safe. Stay cool as well. My God, it's just disgusting out. So stay safe, but try to have fun, everybody. And we'll talk to you guys on Thursday morning. Peace.